Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr. Today is a very exciting episode, and please don't hang up the phone, but we are talking all about record label royalties and royalty accounting. This is a a really big episode, and of course, it's part of our Industry Insider series, where occasionally, and I've been doing more of them as, as per your requests, we talk with someone in the record label industry as opposed to an interview with a record label. These companies in the Industry Insiders episodes are often organizations that do something that support and enable indie record labels, and by golly, today is a good one. Before we get into it, let me tell you uh, that we are actually camping out on the subject of record label royalties over the next few weeks, and there will be lots of helpful things coming your way. I'm going to keep everything I discuss in today's episode and what we do in the future all collected on a single webpage. So go to otherrecordlabels.com slash royalties. Royalties is spelled R-O-Y-A-L-T-I-E-S, I think, otherrecordlabels.com slash royalties. Today I'm talking with Hunter Giles, who is one of the co-founders of a royalty accounting software platform called Infinite Catalog. This is a pretty new company, and I'm telling you, it's pretty revolutionary. It's really simple. It's super straightforward. It's very cool. Let me tell you how this episode came to be. We'll get to the interview, I I promise. In the past, when I've surveyed our our Facebook community and our listeners, um, record label royalty accounting, accounting in general, has consistently been at the top of subjects you all have wanted covered. In fact, it's generally number two, right behind marketing and PR. So a few months ago, I, I asked Twitter, who's the voice of reason when it comes to record label accounting? And instantly, a few people pointed me to Infinite Catalog, um, and I checked them out. This is very exciting. We're going to do a walkthrough of their software on a video later for you to see. Uh, and they're giving our listeners a discount. Um, all of that will be kept over at otherrecordlabels.com royalties. So enjoy the interview and then check out that website. I can't stop thinking about that demo, which is such a weird thing to say because it's like just a software demo, but it was really cool. Like I was blown away. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that, man. That, that really means a lot, you know, coming from you, especially like I know that you, you know, you are very interested in this problem and Absolutely. You know, I could show the same demo to somebody else. Yeah. And they'd be like, yeah, okay, I don't, cool. I don't, you know, whatever. <laughs> cool. Stop talking sense. to me. <laughs> yeah, but when you're, when, you know, you're in the zone that you're in, that we are in. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's that's the goal, you know. We, we we really think we're onto something here, and we're really excited to, to share with people, and we're so happy to be, uh, you know, doing doing this. This is this really is like the first interview that I've ever given. So. Oh, that's good. That's good. Oh, you're doing great. Well, I, I just think that... Uh, I don't know. I guess I mean it's a accounting, so I ex- expected it to be a lot uh, more boring for one, and maybe even more intimidating as well. Like it just kind of felt like setting up a Facebook page or something, or you know what I mean. Like it was like you're the back end of of uh, Bandcamp or something. Well, actually, the back end of Bandcamp is kind of pretty basic. This was even a little bit more. Uh, like fancier than that, but I don't know. I was just, I was really impressed. I think it's really cool. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that maybe what you're, you're homing in on is that we didn't, we didn't build this thinking like, you know, we're just, we're trying to simplify it 
And we realized that we could do that just by focusing on income and expenses and and transfers, which are you know advances and, and payouts and stuff that happen mm-hmm. after the split. But but when everything is just income or an expense, you know, when it's money yeah. in or money out, it, it actually gets pretty simple. And the the like the incredible complexity of the music industry, you know, that's that's real. That's that's not mm-hmm. going anywhere anytime soon. And we're not trying to like, I don't know, like um take that on in in the way that I think some other places are trying to do. We're we're just trying to simplify it. Yeah. We're just trying to make it easy for anybody to understand. And and that also is, you know, a big way that we build the product. Like we build the platform so that anybody could log in and understand what's going on, whether, you know, you're uh, an in-house accountant at a huge record label, or you're just an artist who, you know, has a feature on one track sure. in somebody's catalog. Yeah. Um, it really want, we want it to work for everybody. So we, we've kept simplicity very um, sort of close at hand whenever we've been making any decisions about how it works. Okay, so I want to I want to roll right into this. Are you, are you comfortable? Are you good? I have a ton of questions. Yeah. Oh, are we not already going? No, we are we're going. Already. We're all, we're okay. we're absolutely let's, going. The reels well, have been going. going. Um, ro- royalty accounting is really important. In fact, and I, and I mentioned this, this to you earlier. When I surveyed our community a few months ago, it was in the top two topics that they needed help with or that they were interested in, which really surprised me. And it's also um, you know, the, the idea of accounting and royalties is actually where most labels get themselves into trouble. So uh, why is that? You know, why is it that you think my audience, uh, this community was so interested in this topic and, and it's, and it's uh, a place where, where some people get themselves into trouble? Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a really easy answer for that actually. And that is that, um, Traditionally, how the process of royalty accounting gets done is very siloed. It's very black box <laughs> within every specific record label or publisher or you know whoever's looking after a catalog. Um, everybody kind of does their own thing with it, and because it's money, you don't really you know it's not something yeah. that people talk about a lot. Yeah, yeah. And there there really isn't a lot of. Um, you know, cross-pollination between like how my record label does it versus how your record label does it. And, um, and there really just isn't a lot of online, you know, there's no, there's no like royalty accounting, like website that you can go to that I'm aware of. Like, um, there's just a real dearth of, of like information and knowledge about it. So it's, it's, it's not surprising that everyone's kind of like, well, I get it. It's, you know, 50-50 split, but how, how, how do I do it? Like, how does it actually happen? That's a great um, point. And, and I think that's why it is because the, it's, it's, it's a sensitive topic. No one's really sure if they're doing it correctly and they don't want to do it incorrectly, but they also don't want to raise their hand and say like, I'm having trouble figuring out how much I owe how much money I owe people. Like that's a scary thing right. to raise your hand and, and sort of volunteer. Yeah. And you're right. Um, that the, it, Talking about it with the artist is uncomfortable because you don't want to show them that you don't know what you're doing with their money. And so showing um, vulnerability or humility in that case is, is uh, a, a risky thing for them. Uh, but it's also just uh, 
uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable to have that conversation. I actually, you know, if I were signing an artist now, I would I would love the opportunity to, in a coffee shop as I'm pitching the label, to o- open up this software and say, oh, and by the way, this is how I'm dealing with your money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that's why we built it with the idea that, you know, the artist is going to get access to this. Um, when, when the label is ready or when the catalog is ready, you know, to share it, they... It's controlled in that way. You know, we don't want anybody seeing a balance that isn't, re, you know, that isn't finished yet, sure. that isn't yeah. complete. Yeah. But but once uh, once you are ready to share it, the artist has essentially the exact same level of access as the the people who run the catalog. I mean, they can only see their own right. stuff. Right. But um, all of our all of the people that use our platform, like they all want to be transparent. Mm-hmm. And it's not, mm-hmm. it's not a, a question of will. It's just that it's really hard to be transparent when there's so many different data types that you have to worry about. And you don't like, it's just hard to share it. It's hard to share it in a way that, it, you know, makes sense and isn't going to like raise a bunch of questions and, and red flags. Like we want, yeah. you know, we want people to ask questions, but, um, but when you just give them all the information in a way that is understandable, um, it actually reduces the, the amount of questions that they have. And um, you yeah. can kind of move beyond this trust issue and, and get back to like, you know, putting out great records or writing great songs or whatever. It's funny you mentioned that because you're right. Transparency is something I, I'm, I'm always game. I, I don't care. Look at whatever you want. But um, it's been tricky because for some uh, platforms, CD Baby, for example, um, I don't know if they have a great like uh, exporting feature. I've just gone in and looked at the platform. But um, like, if an artist says to me, I want to see the actual uh, income that comes into CD Baby, uh, the aggregator, I can't let them in there because they're going to see everybody else's, which I think is right. unethical. So, you know, the same thing um, for, for, well, with Bandcamp, I would just, uh, download the spreadsheet and then highlight everybody but them. Delete and then send them that spreadsheet. So it is it is great to be transparent um, in a way that they only can view their own stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that's that. You're you, you just said exactly what I was I was trying to say about the the different data types. Like like the way, and I think that this is another reason why it's become this thing that nobody talks about. But everybody is worried about, and that's because there there are so many different. Uh, we call them data sources uh, these days. Like you know, okay. twenty years ago, you had you had your distributor, and maybe you had one like foreign distributor, uh, but but you didn't have you know fifteen different uh, digital distribution platforms. You didn't have ten different web stores. You didn't have you know stuff coming in from from all these different places. And now you do. And so the the challenge of transparency has has only grown. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, that's and, a good point. Yeah. Um, before yeah. we get too far, I, I want to address our audience because we're talking about, um, you know, we're talking to Hunter here from Infinite Catalog. But I want to explain Infinite Catalog because, and and I'm going to ask you to. Um, I, I want to ask. I'm going to ask you about the origin story of of about you and and label accounting and royalties. Um, but I'm wondering if you could just quickly explain uh, your elevator pitch about what Infinite Catalog is. Uh, sure. So, 
Infinite Catalog is a royalty accounting software and service company. And what we do is we bring in all of your data or help you bring in all your data from all your different sources, unify it in one platform, and make it really easy for you to create statements and pay the people that you need to pay. Pay your collaborators and share all of the data that went into those statements at the same time. Mm. Mm, yeah. No, that, yeah, uh, no, that's good. And what we're going to do, I've talked to you about this and we'll figure this out um, after the fact, but um, you know, I had the opportunity to do a, a visual walkthrough over Zoom just a couple days ago with you that was incredibly helpful. And um, I, I've just been thinking about it uh, in my sleep and and throughout the day in in which is such a weird thing, but uh, it's su- it was really really cool, really enlightening, and so I want other people to have that experience. And so we're going to do a video. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to basically do another Zoom walkthrough. If you're cool with that, and we'll yeah, post totally. that up for our audience because there's a lot of, of visual going on um, with this platform. So we're going to try to talk about royalties and accounting uh, for record labels as a whole, but we will do that. I want to, what's, I mean, maybe, maybe you've already answered this when you were talking about, um, you know, the inaccessible or how opaque this industry has been, but I want to ask you, what's the biggest problem you see labels commit when it comes to label accounting? Where are we most vulnerable? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, what are the number, what are the top mistakes that people are making out there or like the, the, the biggest pitfalls to fall into? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, um, uh, not really understanding how net profit share accounting works. Okay. Um, in the first place is like a huge, like the 50, 50 deal is great because it is so easy, but, um, it it can be difficult to understand how it works without really, I don't know, like doing it in a practical way where you have to understand that like an advance, like there's a difference between, you know, recoupable expenses that are essentially shared between the, the catalog and the artist in a 50-50 deal. You know, the, the catalog puts up the money, but ultimately in net profit accounting, that money is shared between the two parties. Like, yes, the label put it up, but if the thing recoups and, you know, the artist eventually is getting paid out, that that expense is getting split according to whatever the profit share split is, usually 50-50. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's different from an advance, which gets paid out, uh, or which the artist has to recoup from their, you know, 50% share, essentially. Um, and understanding the difference between those things, like uh, sometimes... You know, we see or, or hear people that are, you know, they're treating all their expenses like advances where the artist has to essentially is is paying for everything themselves just on a delay. Okay. Um, okay. Or vice versa, you know, seeing somebody put an advance in an, as an expense uh, when that's that's not really what happened. Like you actually literally gave that person, you know, money out of your pocket. That's very different than a shared expense that you're you're paying to like you know a third party on behalf of you as a a group as as the two of you the catalog and the artist. Okay. Um, L- let me interrupt you for a second cuz I want you to tell me what is appropriate or what is most common uh, based on this question or based on what you're talking about right now. So if I as a record label um, pay out of my 
pocket or my credit card's pocket, uh, $2,000 to press uh, a vinyl uh, project and for an artist. That $2,000, do I need to pay an artist a royalty um, before that $2,000 is recouped? Or can I take all of the the net sales or gross sales or whatever um, until that $2,000 is recouped and then start paying royalty? How does that work? Yeah, it's it's the second one. Um, in a in a net profit share in a fifty fifty kind of deal, um, the idea is that the the label or the catalog or whoever is fronting the money puts up the money, and then they recoup that in full before any additional money is paid out. So it has to okay. basically break even, and then you split any profits according to whatever your deal was. Very often it's 50-50. I'm a huge fan of the 50-50 yeah, deal. Yeah, me too. Um, but it can be anything. It can be 60-40. It could be you know, 60-40 on digital, 50-50 on physical. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of different things that you can do with this net profit mechanism um, to make it more you know, appropriate for a specific artist or a specific record or a specific deal. Um, but it gets tricky and you need a system to, you know, keep track of it, especially if you're putting out a lot of records, you know, sometimes you pay for stuff where you need to split it up between two records. Like you could, you know, you could like hire a publicist to do two different record releases, but you only paid, you know, you paid them one check, you paid them one lump sum and you have to split that up between the two different records, between the two different deals. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah. Good point. So there's, there's just, it, once you, once you have an, a big enough catalog, there's just a lot of money coming in that needs to go, you know, many different places inside your catalog. And there's a lot of money going out on new records or, you know, repressing old ones or, um, you know, doing a PR campaign on an existing one. But it just, it, it gets to be a lot. Like a cool thing about running a record label, in my opinion, is that you can start small and and work your way up. And you can start by just putting out one record and it's pretty easy to keep track of the expenses and income from one record. Uh, you know, you can do that in a spreadsheet. And I strongly encourage anybody starting a record label to do it themselves in a spreadsheet. Hmm. Um, you know, we're 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 for when that becomes too much. And it 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 doesn't happen overnight. But it, if you are putting out records consistently, eventually the the nag of having to do this every you know quarter or every six months um, really starts to get overwhelming and you start to fall behind. And it's not because you know you don't want to pay your artists. It's just that it's a real hassle. It's a real yeah uh, big job to to bring in all this data from all these different places, you know, make sure you've keep it, you're keeping track of your expenses, splitting it all up correctly you know, showing it to the artist in a way that, that they can understand. Like, it's easy at first, and as you grow, it gets to be more challenging, and that's when you need to, you know, very often you need to upgrade your 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 system, whether it's, yeah. you know, using a software like us or or just having, like, an in-house accountant who, who does this all day long, and, and that is the way that a lot of people or a lot of catalogs do it, a lot of labels, a lot of publishers have, you know, in-house accounting staffs. Mm. But... You know, in the indie community, none of us have in-house accounting staff. Sure. Uh, and we still need to get this job done. And, you know, spreadsheets are a great starter tool. But, yeah, eventually it, it just does get to be kind of overwhelming. And um, it can be really helpful to have, it, you it, know, a, a purpose-built tool and a team behind you. That's another thing is that we're very, like, 
on we're very like service oriented we like to say it's software and a service yeah totally um, i i think it's also one of those things it just falls into that category of things that we as humans um tend to procrastinate with you know it's just it just falls into that likely to be procrastinated uh category i don't know why that is yeah maybe it's more yeah, fun definitely. to do and, to sign bands or to listen to new music um and then it, it for me it's like <laughs> oh i need to i need to do that and the more that I tell myself I need to do this, the more I mentally bury it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's just, you know, that's human behavior. And also it's very, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's an, I don't want to say it's an annoying task, but it is like, you know, it's a chore. It's something that you have to do, whether you want to do it or not. If you intend to, you know, oh, sure. do right by your yeah. artists, do right by your deals. Um, but, uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't really have to be. It can be turned on its head and, and become this positive that you're bringing to the table. That you are, you know, you're figuring this out for your artists. Like, sure, you, you know, the artist like self-releasing is easier than ever. So, if you're a record label, like, what are you? What value are you bringing to this relationship? Um, mm. You know, when it's so easy for an artist to self-release these days. Like, maybe you're you you know you bankroll some stuff and that's great. But like most record labels I know feel like they do a lot more than just bankroll. Yeah. You know, they 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 bring expertise, they bring, you know, muscle, they bring boots on the ground. And doing this job, doing the royalty accounting is a way that a record label brings a lot of value to an artist where it's like, you know, you don't have to worry about this. We're gonna handle it. And it's not a like, you know, trust us situation. Like if you're being transparent about it, there's no, there's no trust involved. Like it's, it's all right there. Um, yep. That's so a great point. That is, that is something that, yeah, I think rec record labels, like, you know, the ones that really embrace this is something that they, that they bring to the table that they have gotten good at, or that they, you know, pay for out of their own pocket. Since most of the time accounting services are considered label overhead and not a recoupable expense. Um, that yeah. is that is an area that that they're bringing value to the artist and that they can you know point to when the artist is deciding whether to re-sign with them for another record or not. Let me ask you uh, your background and and how, what led you um, to creating this platform. I have tons of questions about accounting and about the platform specifically, but I'm curious about <laughs> how. And we didn't really get into this too much when we were talking the other day uh, about you know your origin story. Um, in music and with labels and then for you to kind of abandon all that and say, um, now I want to make, uh, accounting software. <laughs> well, I haven't abandoned it. I still run a label. Good, good. I don't put out as many records these days, <laughs> but, um, but I do still, uh, manage a label and, and some bands, but, uh, but these days it is, you know, very much, uh, mostly infinite catalog, but, um, having that real experience is is the backstory i mean i i worked at a label called bada bing which is a, a great label in brooklyn um and i got hired there right around like right when i had started my own little label just you know myself um and they let me run my label on the side while i worked there and I, when i was there the the royalty accounting task sort of fell to me um, and so I kind of dug in and learned how it worked and, you know, started building some spreadsheet templates and then adapted it 
those templates to to my label and my you know slightly different situation and just doing that jump moving from like taking one label system and and moving it to another uh was a re- real eye opener because it it just made me like it, it took me out of the silo that we were talking about earlier where like mm. everybody has their own unique way of doing it and when you try to adapt a system from one label to another, you learn a lot about how the system needs to work. If it's going to, you know, be able to handle more than just one specific label, one specific catalog. And from there, uh, I mean, I, I took a, a very quick detour where I thought I was going to be a music lawyer because I was so interested in like contracts and how the money flows and, and the stuff that, you know, I was already kind of doing. But I decided uh, I, I left law school after one day <laughs> and instead, yeah, I got there and it was basically like, I realized I had to choose between this and, and music and the music industry. And I, and I decided to just like one to day, like one day, industry. like just the, what isn't the first day, just all the fun stuff in the morning the, I bought my books in the morning <laughs> and I sold them back uh, in the afternoon for 20% what of what you paid for them. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't, but but yeah, I didn't actually, it, it didn't cost me anything, luckily, because I had a, a scholarship. But, um, but right after that, I was just talking to a friend and, and talking, you know, I was asked who runs a, a record label and, you know, asked him how he was doing his royalty accounting, because I think I was doing my own label at the time, I was doing my royalties. And it's like, how do you do this? And he was like, ooh, uh, yeah, you know, not, <laughs> not that well basically like yeah. why do you know how to do this like can i pay you to do this for me like i would love to just not do this and have somebody else do it for me um and that was kind of a spark that was like oh okay like i know a lot of people who run record labels i've been doing you know this in new york for five years at this point maybe or not even like three or four but i already knew a lot of people who had started labels and and um the word just kind of got around that I was the this royalty spreadsheet guy, mm-hmm. and I charged people by the hour because uh, it, it, it some people's labels take a lot longer than others, and it was just you know I was using spreadsheets, so the only yeah, that's cost a, was that's really a good with idea. my time. Um, and slowly but surely, that business, that like side of what I was doing, started to pick up steam. Um, and and you know take up more of my time and it and it was like a much more stable income frankly like you know you're doing it every quarter or every six months for the same people and you know they're always very happy i was always so pleased with how uh happy they would be when i would like hand them their stack of you know digital statements like here's your 30 statements yeah um and they'd be like oh my god this is you know they they were just so happy with the work that that was very encouraging to me um but eventually it got to be where i was like you know what though i'm doing so much of this is just like manual frankly a lot of copy and pasting of like thousands and thousands of rows and a lot of like you know excel formulas and the the spreadsheets were getting better and better and more automated and using macros and you know pretty intense formulas i got pretty deep into excel uh, for a few years there (laughs) But I, I just knew I knew enough about databases and software that like this really needs to be software. So so I started looking around. I was like, this must exist. This has to exist. Like I just really haven't I must not have found it yet. And I looked around and there just 
there really just wasn't very much. It seems like or it seemed like all of the existing solutions were built for, you know, mega major labels or like giant indies. Um, and they cost, you know, thousands of dollars a month. And right. they are uh, these very expensive, very like, frankly, like very antiquated software. Right. With probably um, with a lot of redundant, redundant things that wouldn't apply to smaller labels. Right. Yeah. And that, and that was the other thing. They were all built for uh, what are commonly known as the PPD deals or royalty based deals, which are the very old school type of uh record contracts mm-hmm. that are kind of dying i mean major labels definitely still use them as do some larger indies but uh you know the 50 50 deal really took hold in the independent community and in, i think like the late 80s and 90s and and there really wasn't a software that i found that was you know good enough to like bring all of my business to bring all my customers onto, and like maybe i would just do the service aspect of it for them or something it just didn't exist. Mm. So I kind of, you know, I thought about it and I asked around a little about, you know, programmers or, or coders that I knew, but no one, I don't know, no one really seemed like a good fit. And I just really did not want to like start a software company, frankly. Like I didn't want to be in the tech space. Sure. I didn't want to talk to VCs. I didn't want to do any of that stuff. And it just seemed like that was the, you know, that was what it was going to take. Um, so I kind of put it on ice and just, but it kept growing. And then I eventually kind of like, uh, I convinced my, one, uh, my co-founder, my now co-founder, um, you know, I, I, I finally convinced him that there was like a real opportunity here. And, um, we started building it in late 2018. Uh, oh, wow. I didn't we, realize it was that it was that new that's crazy. yeah yeah i mean well like i said i mean i've been doing it you know professionally in quotes where you know somebody's paying me for it uh sure i don't know if that makes me a professional or not but <laughs> um uh but yeah i've been doing it for like a decade at this point but but the software itself really only um started its little baby steps uh yeah like late 2018 and we decided to spin it off as its own separate company uh called infinite catalog and um the first year was really building like the prototype and like making just you know make sure it worked and you know Mm -hmm. the numbers added up and you know doing it literally just like for my little label making sure it works for that first and then we got it to a pretty good place and uh, I had all these customers already, right? I had all these catalogs that oh, I was doing, yes. still doing it in spreadsheets. And then, so year two was like me <laughs> me doing it simultaneously in spreadsheets and in the software to make sure that it works. <laughs> oh, that's uh, awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> and, yeah, but it, I mean, it, it, it's awesome now. It wasn't awesome at the time. It was really, really hard and frustrating to, to basically be doing double, double work. Yeah, yeah. And and like, oh man. And but but it got so good so fast because we had we rolled in my my existing customer base like one at a time, and you know got feedback and made sure it worked for them, and um, and that really helped the product grow in a, in a great way, um, just sort of organically, like from real users, you know, it wasn't, we weren't like guessing of what, about what people would want or what they needed or how it needed to work. Like 
we knew, like we've been doing it and we had customers who, you know, we were starting to use the platform and, and sort of prove the, prove the case. And when you, um, when you and talk so now about, we're only, we're only just now opening the doors to new customers, which is, that's incredible. Exciting. When you talk about, uh, labels, you know, the, the size of our, our, our listeners, which would be, you know, medium size labels and right down to, to very small and, and newly starting labels. Um, what, what were they doing before 2018, before you came along, and if they weren't hiring you, was it they were doing spreadsheets? Were were any of these medium-sized labels using these big enterprise solutions? Is there uh, was there like a a QuickBooks style software that could just be um, molded to whatever industry you used it for? Like, what were people using uh, four or five years ago? Yeah, so. Um... People were and continue to, you know, the new customers that are coming on board now, we always ask them, you know, what have, what have you been doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and in the the medium size, you know, to small uh, label world, most people are either using spreadsheets yeah. or they're using QuickBooks. Right. Um, and you can do royalty accounting in spreadsheets and you can do it in QuickBooks, but it eventually becomes a giant headache and hassle uh, because they're just not built for that. They're right. not built to do uh, royalty accounting, which is, it's, it's kind of its own weird discipline like that I didn't even really understand at first, um, that it was so separate from like bookkeeping and like double entry accounting and like all this, like, you know, hundreds of year old, like, like accounting principles and practices. Um, I mean, net profit share is certainly not new. It's just it's literally just sharing, but, um, applying the principles of net profit share to, you know, essentially like big data problems. Like, you know, I've got 10 million streams and half of them need to go over here and half of them need to go over there. And then you need to split them up in these different ways. Like, that is the new challenge. And QuickBooks isn't built for that, for sure. QuickBooks is an amazing tool for small business accounting yeah. or just you know bookkeeping. Yeah. Um, and, and royalty accounting overlaps with bookkeeping a little bit, mostly in the expenses zone. But when you get a big data file and a check that's like you know the total, yeah. but you need to parse the data file to figure out how much of the check to you know, apply to which account or apply to which artist, um, QuickBooks is not your friend. No, I would um, not want to do it and, that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, most I, people are doing spreadsheets and QuickBooks, but then they quickly, you know, get, it, it quickly gets overwhelming. I think the biggest issue is, uh, even no matter what format you're doing and tell me how you've addressed this is, is downloading and ingesting monthly or quarterly data into your label accounting system, whether it's your software or it's our own Google Sheets or whatever, from all these various sources of income that we've been talking about. How did you handle that? Um, sorry, the, you cut out a little bit, but I think the question was, how do you handle all the different kinds of royalties? Uh, yeah, like, of, like all like, of the, uh, source, data, the, the That's format? right, the sources of income. Um, how, how did you, how have you tackled that? Because, you know, there's all sorts of different, uh, monies that come in, not just from traditional retail. Now that it comes in all over the place. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's why it's gotten harder in the last 10 years or so, I would mm-hmm. say, um, rather than easier is because there's just, there are many, there are new data sources that, you know, you you want to be a part of, you want to like, you know, be making your making money on sound exchange or, or, or getting, you know, your rights income from sound exchange or like neighboring rights or, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, you're, you're on all of the digital platforms and not just, you know, the big, the big guys, like sure. getting all of that data from all those different sources, whether it's Bandcamp, AWOL, you know, DistroKid, mm-hmm. sound exchange, whatever, like, the way that the way that I did it in spreadsheets was building out custom templates for each catalog where it's like, okay, this is your your catalog has these six data sources. So every statement has these six tabs with all of that data for that relevant, you know, for that artist or that record, um, whatever you're trying to build the statement for. Uh, the all that data goes into those deep tabs. And then you build summaries that um, read that data and funnel it to a, a you know a statement format mm-hmm. on the front page, where you can just look at the the statement, you know, the front page of the of the Excel doc, the statement, and be like, okay, cool, that's the summary. But if you want to go deeper, there are deeper tabs that have all of the the data available to you. And that is actually how we kind of realized that transparency wasn't going to be like a problem for our customers or for our future customers. Like some people were a little bit skeptical that we were telling, you know, when we would tell people what we were building, they were like, well, you know, are they really going to want to share all that data? Like, are they really going to want to, you know, make that available to the artists? Like, don't they, don't record labels like to like, you know, steal money from artists. Isn't that what they're doing (laughs) over there all the time? And it's like, no, it's, I mean, people are literally paying us money to help them figure this out. Like there, there's no, like nobody's like doing this in a nefarious way. It's, it's literally just, it's a chore. It's a problem. It's, it's hard to do. It's a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way that we do it, so so doing it in spreadsheets like that, um, it's possible, but they, you know, it's very fragile. Um, the you know, if they add a new data source, or you know, the the formatting changes one month to the next, which does happen, um, you know, suddenly your template's broken, and you got to fix the template, and then you know, you got to fix it for everybody else, and it it just becomes. Uh, whack-a-mole essentially yeah, yeah and with infinite catalog it's it's a lot better because we just build importers for every kind of data and when one if if a data source like if TuneCore changed their formatting of the data that they give you um we're going to be like the first people to notice because yes. someone's going to try to ingest <laughs> right. the TuneCore file and it's not going to work and we're going to look at it and we're going to be like what changed and we're going to see what changed and then we're going to tweak the importer so that it works again. And that first guy who, you know, who stumbled onto this problem, you know, he'll, he'll have to maybe wait a day for us to fix the importer, tweak the, tweak the importer. Uh, but everybody else isn't even going to notice. Everybody else in an infinite catalog is just going to, you know, say, Oh, well the tune quarter importer, like didn't miss a beat. Like they changed their format, That's but awesome. it continued to work. And, you so, know, we can even make improvements where it won't even break in the first place. But like point is with a, a platform like ours, when something changes for one catalog, everybody else benefits. 
or and that goes for us too like when when we learn about like oh how do you handle this weird situation and somebody's got a really good answer that we've never heard before we're like that's a great answer that's a great way to handle that problem mm. if some other label asks us like how do i handle that same problem we will you know we apply that to them we're like here's how you know we saw this other label do it this way and we thought it was really smart so that's yeah. what we're going to recommend to you and it really does benefit everybody um so you built these importers yeah. for every single um income source that a label might encounter correct i mean we build we build several a week at this point we wow. basically build them on demand as wow. our customers, like as we're adding new customers and, you know, they've got new data sources that we've never seen before. Right. Um, we, we build them, the importers for them, like, and sometimes with them to be like, this is how we think it, this, this is how we interpret this data. Is this how you, like, do you agree? Is this, is this correct? Do you, yeah. Cause you know, I mean, it's possible. It, we talk about this on the show about, um, uh, alternative, income streams and, and multiple income streams for labels. And it's very likely that a label could have an Etsy store and they could, they could sell prints of something or, or whatnot. And so, I mean, that's just not, it's not crazy to think that there are so many different possible income streams out there aside from just, you know, Bandcamp, CD baby, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, you're just talking about merch and that's, you know, yeah. that's such a, that that's kind of like what we're, it makes me think of what we were talking about at the very beginning about simplicity and you know how in our system we're not we don't really distinguish between you know master side income or rights income or publishing income or you know merch income like it's all just income mm. and it works no matter where it's coming from and the way that you treat that income might be different inside the system where, you know, if it's master side, you might pay out 50%. And if it's publishing, maybe you pay out 90% or something. Um, but just the idea that all income is income and you as a record label can, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to just be music. Like it can also be t-shirts. It can also be posters. It can also be whatever else you want to sell. If you want to do that, like, as part of your record deals with your artists, like you should be able to do that and you should be able to keep track of the accounting, uh, just in, in, you know, in the same way. And mm -hmm. that's what net profit share really gives you. Um, whether it's our platform or another, another platform, like net profit share is just this magical, um, concept that the music industry or the independent music industry, I should say, <laughs> has really like latched onto. And it really opens up this, this world of possibility that, that, you know, can happen um, when you're just treating everything like income and expenses. Can you, uh, we talked about this a lot. Can you talk to me about royalty splits? Like what, what is the, and this is a big question for very, very new labels. Um, what is the most common uh, based on, on what you've seen? Is it 50, 50? Oh yeah. By yeah. a, by a country mile. I mean, <laughs> the 50, 50 deal I, I don't know who invented it. I know that it was, it's definitely, you know, very featured in the like history of the independent yeah, record label. Yeah. Uh, but it is, it is in my opinion, like the most magical deal. Um, and I'm a big fan of it. Like not even just in music or like putting out records, but just like in the world, like 
when it's 51, 49 in either direction, like the relationship is just so much different. Right. Um, yeah, totally. 50, 50 is, is like the true partnership. And, um, it's beautiful. And yeah, that is, yeah. that is, it's also very like, it does feel fair. Like mm-hmm. the reality is even in indie music, like most records never recoup. Most records never break even. Sure. Most records, the label loses money. That is, that is just how it goes. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, or that's, that's been my experience anyway. That's, you know, thousands of statements that I've, you know, been had a hand in and, yeah. and that is the reality. But so the label is taking on risk and, uh, you know, many times will not make it back. Um, when they do make it back, at least it's, at least it's shared evenly. And presumably, you know, the label participated in, the success in some way, making, making it happen or even just putting up that initial funding. And the fact is also that, that in indie music, like it's not like people really sign like four record deals that really lock someone in. Um, it's, it's much more common to see, you know, one, two, three record deals at most. Um, and so even if something does really like go like, pop off and it had nothing to do with the label and the label just kind of like, you know, quote, got lucky. Like right. the artist is still free to move on. And, you know, the label still took that chance. Like the, the artist, you know, everybody, everybody agreed that it was the right deal at the time. And the fact that it was a, su- a success, uh, you know, doesn't mean it was a bad decision. It means it was a good decision. Um, um, and that's very, very different from major label royalty, style deals where literally you're never happy no matter what happens. Yeah, Either it's a right. failure, yeah. which is most of them, or it's a huge success and you're, you cannot believe that the label keeps, you know, 85% of your royalties, which is what happens. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, going back to the ingestion process and, and, and the, the money that comes in from uh, other sources of income and, and uh, all those different, uh, properties out there. How do you um, focus on the net? How do you boil it down to what the label actually receives? Because I mean, you open up the Bandcamp spreadsheet, and there's you know there's the gross, but then there's also shipping is involved in there. And I mean, even as 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 something small as the PayPal fee, if you forget to take that off, I, I mean, how does that? Um, I find that's like a big thing that labels uh, often forget to consider is paying a royalty off of the, the actual, um, net receipts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is an art to understanding (laughs) these data files, Mm -hmm. uh, from, you know, from all these different sources and how they, you know, what wording they use and what, you know, where the columns are positioned and all that stuff. Um, and we've gotten pretty great, good at it, but, uh, but the short answer is, at least for our system, or, or really like what I would recommend for any anybody, even if you're doing it in spreadsheets or not, is we're always looking for the number that hit your bank account. Right. Okay. Um, and with a few exceptions, but but typically, and and you know that yeah, this is how it works in infinite calendar, but this is for anybody. But like when when you say income in a net profit share arrangement. You you just mean what you got. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't mean gross minus the distribution cost minus you know processing fees or whatever. Like like it 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 
it does mean all that, but you can just boil that down to just like, okay, well, what did I get? What did I get That's paid? Right. You know, yeah. I, get, I sold it on Bandcamp <laughs> for 20 bucks. And there's all these, you know, there's all these fees, not that many fees, like Bandcamp's great, but, um, yeah, yeah. but you know, where, where is the income? Like, where is the real number? And that is always what we're kind of questing for in this data is like, how do we, like, sometimes it's really easy and based, uh, Bandcamp does make it easy. Then the net amount column, that's the one in, yeah, in Bandcamp. Yeah. Pretty, pretty sure off the top of my head. Um, but they do have lots of other stuff. And the the place where it gets tricky, I will to your point, is always when it comes to uh, web store stuff. And in particular, okay, well, I collected the shipping income. Is that income? Yes. Yeah. Is that you know? Does that also count? And it the answer is it depends. Uh, okay. The way that we recommend. And folks do it. I mean, it's literally in our, you know, knowledge base, which is public and anyone can, can go and read. But like the way that I do it, the way that we recommend doing it, I'm not saying it's the right way. I, I do think it's the best way over, you know, a decade of doing it. But um, the way that I typically recommend doing it is you should charge for shipping. You shouldn't be like, no, let's just include it in the price that mm-hmm. that muddles the picture. Yeah, totally. Uh, and it's you know every web store on the planet has an option to like charge for shipping specifically and i always recommend you use it uh and the shipping should just be you know whatever the cost is to get that record out the door so your packaging and your uh labor and the postage and that should come to a the, those costs your fulfillment costs as we call them uh i always recommend that they that they come close to what the actual shipping charge is. So maybe like you, you you know, you sell a vinyl for 20 bucks and the shipping is $5 because the, the media mail shipping is like, you know, $3 and the, the mailer is, you know, 50 cents and Mm -hmm. the, the, the tape and stuff is another 50 cents. Like you get to like $4 and 50 cents charge five. That way you're covered if like somebody's get bounced gets bounced back or it gets lost in the mail and you gotta just you wanna just send them another one without yeah. having to like recharge the shipping. Um yeah, basically I, I just recommend that the shipping be uh treated separately where it it just takes care of itself. Like, yes, you brought in that shipping income, but you also covered the expenses associated with it. And if you keep it separate, you don't have to keep track of all of that. Like yeah. you really don't. No, right. It's so, not. It's not your business. Like, like, yeah. Did you make an extra quarter, an extra twenty-five cents on the <laughs> yeah. shipping? You know, quote unquote, because you know you charged five and it actually cost you four seventy-five. It's like okay, well, maybe that quarter is you know just a future postage for somebody who's got lost in the mail. Well, that's or it. maybe and it's a quarter I've always you, you know for your labor. Yeah, and I've always uh the way I've had it cuz in Canada shipping is much worse than it is in the states and I would always uh you know lose a ton of money on shipping a record to Europe, but I would maybe make almost a dollar if I was shipping a CD locally. You know what I mean? But I knew Okay, this local person is actually paying so that somebody in Europe can get the record for a, a reasonable shipping cost. Yeah, and like to me that that is a separate thing from like what you're trying to really do and what your agreement was with the artist, which is selling the record and splitting the profits. Like the shipping stuff, you can totally track it down to the penny uh, if you wanted to. 
And, you know, if you did make an extra quarter because it was a low shipping charge or you recycled a vinyl mailer instead of buying, you know, yeah. using a yeah. one that you bought, like whatever it is, like you can figure it, you can work that into the accounting and, and, so and are you sure suggesting gets their 50%? But I, this is the way I've done it. You don't have to, in my opinion. I, the way I've done it, and I think this is what you're saying, is that the shipping has nothing to do with the artist, that I take the shipping money, 100% of it, and then as a label, all the of our shipping is just our overhead. Is that and is that right? Or even in a, in a way, you don't even have to take the shipping as income. We just try to cancel it out. But you don't involve it on the artist That's, statement in any way? That's exactly right. Okay, I totally um, agree. I that's think how that's we great. recommend. You yeah. can you can do it. We do have some fastidious catalogs who who you know they are they don't want to <laughs> profit an extra penny and and I <laughs> totally respect that. That's true. Um, yeah. Okay. But but it really to me it's 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 not worth it if if you're if it's going to distract you from you know sending out more emails to to you know music writers or you know figuring out a better PR campaign or something like those to me are better uses of a, a record label's time and energy. Um, when we, when but, we, uh, no, that's, yeah, we, that's it's helpful different for everybody. When we talked about uh, royalty splits and I think you mentioned this at the beginning, but I want, I want to hear you say it again. I've talked to some labels who are, have a really robust physical distribution system, or maybe they're just really well known in the, in the vinyl community or in the tape community. Uh, but perhaps, they lack experience in streaming and playlisting, and therefore they might do 50-50 split on physical, but only an 80-20 in favor of the artist on digital, or, or vice versa, maybe. What are your, are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, so my thoughts on that are, uh, that is awesome, and I wish more labels would do stuff like that. Like, in other words, um, tailor the, the arrangement to be a better fit for everybody's strengths. Like maybe uh, an artist yes. has been just killing it on digital yeah. by themselves yes. and they just want the label for, you know, the manufacturing and distribution of physical product expertise and like, you know, to front the money or something, mm -hmm. but, but they would rather keep their digital or keep a bigger percentage of it. Um, and, and that is exactly the kind of deal that I would recommend is like a, you know, okay, we'll do a 50, 50 on the physical and then, and then maybe like a 75, 25 on the digital where the artist gets 75 or something. Sure. But the, the problem with that is that it's that you just made your, your accounting challenge a lot bigger sure. um, because now you've got expenses that need to either go to the physical or the digital, or maybe you split them in some way between the two. Like if it's PR, like which, you know, which side is that really publicizing? Well, it's doing both. Like sure. you kind of want it to affect both places. Um, and then, you know, treating the, the digital income transactions uh, on a 75% split versus the physical income transactions on a 50% split. Like it, it's a challenge and I wouldn't recommend doing it in spreadsheets. Like yeah. literally save yourself the trouble, do a 50, 50 deal. But that is also, and I'm not trying to like rep, you know, my thing, but <laughs> that's like, okay. You can hear but like, <laughs> well, well, that's like what it was an unintended uh, bonus that we realized we had like stumbled into, which is that with a database system like ours, it's actually really easy to do that. 
Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things that like, I love spreadsheets and, you know, encourage as many people to, to do royalties and spreadsheets for as long as they can until they can't stand it anymore or until they want to do more specialized deals like what we're talking about. But <clears throat> at that point you need a, a better solution to save yourself the nightmare of accounting that that's going to create. Um, yeah. And that that's happening whether you want it to or not. Like Bandcamp Day is a great example of like we had a lot of uh, catalogs asking us like how do I pass through Bandcamp Day income to my artist? So, you know, 100%. Yeah. I just want to pass through just that income from just that source on just that day. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, that can be that can be a challenge. It can be pretty easy. It depends on on your setup and depends on a lot of uh, different factors, but like when when we first got approached with that challenge, we were like, "Oh my god, we're we're perfect for this! Like this is this is amazing. We can the way our system works." And you saw a little bit of it yesterday, and you know, hopefully, we'll do like a video thing. Yeah, which I'm sure this isn't like the most compelling conversation without the, <laughs> <laughs> seeing it uh, over here talking about spreadsheets for an hour. But uh, but um, but but yeah, that's the kind of stuff that. Um, that is a, a much bigger lift in spreadsheets versus just doing a straight 50 50, which is like, you know, again, a magical thing and, and you can do it in a spreadsheet. And, uh, I definitely recommend everyone start there, but when you're, if you're trying to grow and, you know, offer better deals that make more sense for both parties, um, you, you're going to want a more tailored solution to, to help you do that. Well, and not like, you know, paint yourself in this corner. I mean, I, well, you didn't walk me through that process, but I, I just looking at how, you know, click this, move this over here, drag this, that how I could go into that software after only seeing it for an hour, two days ago, I feel like I could figure that out really quickly. I it just, it seems like it's really flexible in that way. And it's so funny you brought up the band camp day because I saw, I mean, the, 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 every Friday during the pandemic, when the, when the, uh, not every Friday, one Friday a month. And Bandcamp said that we're going to waive their 9% or 10% fee to give everything to the artists on that particular day. And then, of course, labels following suit and saying, we're going to waive our royalties on that day and give, essentially, they get 100%, minus probably PayPal, but 100% from the the fan straight to the artist. And it was funny, when I saw labels tweet that out, before I was aware of your platform, I was like, how are you doing that? That sounds like an absolute nightmare. I would rather, if my artist asked for that, I would just say, here's $50. Like, here's just $100. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. but I would rather just give you a gift card than, than to have to figure that out. <laughs> I mean, not, and I, I don't want to make it seem like it's this Im- possible challenge your your uh, <laughs> your concerns notwithstanding like it's super possible like it you, you can go into Bandcamp, you download the csv you know you do a pivot table you you figure out some totals you pay out some money you move sure. on and, and you just like delete that data from your normal Bandcamp data in your normal statement like it's super possible i don't make it seem yeah. like it's something uh, no you can't i, ag- do I agree yes software. i agree but, but like but if you want to if you don't want it to be this like thing that happened off to the side that you, you know, you solved the problem, but then 
it faded in the background. And if anybody ever looked at, you know, a royalty statement, they'd be like, you know, why, why is Bandcamp missing an entire day? Right. You have to remember, <laughs> like yeah. it, it, it's, it's probably never going to come up, but wouldn't it be nice to just actually have everything in one place? Like actually just, you know, you still see those transactions in the system, but those are being passed through at a hundred percent instead of split 50, 50. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be this like offsite separate, thing it's just you know are there other happened are there other cases like that that you've encountered like a band camp friday or or somebody saying hey we want to siphon off monies for a charitable organization or, or, or something like that every single day really uh we yeah because wow. that's that's the other that's the other thing that we um I, I, we learned very quickly, even with the software. I mean, I kind of knew this in the back of my head from having done it in spreadsheets for so many different labels over the years. But like the software is great, but the, the best software in the world is useless if you don't know how to use it right and, and understand how uh, it applies to the ever-changing landscape that is the music industry. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, and that, that's why we're very big on like software and a service because I can't, I literally can't say that there has been a label or a publisher or a, you know, management company that has signed up for our thing and, and not had a like, Hey, so great. It's working great for, you know, all of, all the bulk of everything, but I've got this one weird thing where like, I (laughs) told this artist that we could do this featured split where the featured artist gets five percent but only up to a thousand and then it reverts oh, back to the artist wow, true, and like true, how true. do i how does that can we do that and, it's, <laughs> and and the answer is always yes because it's just income and expenses and, and splits like oh, that's there's nothing we cool. can't do but but it's but it's tricky like it's it's tricky and you don't want to be guessing because it's money it's people's money you're talking sure. about yeah and having the the like having like experts behind you who you can always, you know, raise your hand in a private way and say like, hey, you know, team and catalog, catalog services team, hey, like, I actually don't really know how to make this deal happen in the software. Can you can you help me out with this? And then we do. And then it's it's in most cases, it's a set it and forget it. Like, cool, we just set it up and then that it's, you know, automated so that it works that way moving forward or until it needs to not work that way anymore. Mm-hmm. But um but that's such a big part of what we do is the service aspect. Uh, and, and it doesn't stop it. It's not, you know, it's not like, Oh, cool. You're set up and, and here are the keys. And like, yeah, you know, we'll yeah. never talk to you again because yeah. we're Excel or we're, you know, Gmail or something. Yeah. It's, it's not that like, it's a, it's a constantly changing landscape that, uh, it's not like they get know, a CD ROM in the mail that they yeah, have to install. It, it's just, Yeah. Yeah, and we're we're just um, we're we're just such like, or at least I am like just nerds for this. Like this is all we think about all day is like, oh, that's a cool deal. Like, yeah, I see what I see why you made that deal. Let's make it real. Let's make it a reality in the numbers. Let's like like help you keep your word on what? you know what was a a good idea, and it's just hard to pull off because accounting is tricky. What's the the norm for when it comes to labels charging artists for 
their services, their label services, as opposed to keeping it separate as overhead. Because we get this question a lot from new labels in our community. You know, if they are, um, maybe they're a record label that has a recording studio and they want to charge a, a, a fee in that regard. Or even if it's just, um, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but there are there might be graphic design services or, or certain services. What is there a norm or what are your thoughts and opinions on that? Uh, there definitely isn't a norm that I've seen. Okay. Um, but I will say that uh, I don't, I, it's interesting to, to frame it that way, like <laughs> like labels offering label services separate from their label activities. Um, I, I, I've, I haven't quite heard it phrased that way. Most, mostly what we see uh, are management companies that are getting into the label game even if it's just okay. helping their artists, you know, take back control of their, you know, their masters that were licensed to an indie label for 10 year on a 10 year deal. And that deal is up. So they want to, you know, take it back and just self-release it on TuneCore, but they still have to pay the producer every quarter or something. Um, that's more of what we're seeing is, uh, you know, record uh, uh, management companies, self-release artists, publishers getting into the label game themselves and having to figure out how it needs to work for them Yeah, where maybe instead of a 50, 50 deal, it's just, maybe it's just their normal management cut. Maybe it's a 15%, you know, on the net or something or mm -hmm. on the gross or whatever the deal is. Um, but as far as like charging for other stuff, um, like I, I do want to answer your question more directly. Like, uh, so like, um, recording studio time or, or, you know, graphic design that goes outside the bounds of like artwork for a, for a release. I mean, I, I don't know. I would say that if, if it's truly like a, a separate thing, then like, it should just be a separate thing. It should just be, you know, this is what we charge for the studio time. Sure. And you can, you know, it's an option or maybe yeah, we'll give you a discount yeah. cause you're right. You know, a homie, but yeah, um, no, and I don't, I'm not suggesting. Yeah, I don't, much more. It's the other direction. It's other. Yeah, I'm not suggesting. Yeah. I don't like. I don't like the idea of a label nickel and diming for um, things that uh, you know, because obviously they're getting paid from their their cut, so they shouldn't really necessarily charge on top of that. But I I know the question comes up quite a bit. Um, now you know I I can imagine if you hired a specific photographer or graphic designer for an album campaign, then that could be seen more as an album expense. Um, but I just know that topics sometimes comes up as, as, as what do we consider to be a recoupable expense versus what the label should just be providing as a, as a way to earn their 50%. Oh yeah, I mean that. Okay, when phrased in that way, like that is something we deal with all the time. Okay, yeah. sorry, I, mean, I wasn't. What, sorry, I wasn't clear. No, no, uh, just like what is a recoupable expense is a great question. You know, okay. uh, sometimes it's super obvious, like you know, pressing a record, and sometimes it's a lot less obvious. And ideally, it's spelled out in the contract where it says, right. you know, these things are recoupable these things are not and in most indie contracts that i've seen that you know are more than a napkin it, it does say something to that effect but um but it's also I, I would i would also say that 
it should be more of a conversation than it is with between mm-hmm. the the catalog and the artist. And I think that the reason it's not is because there's a misunderstanding about how all this works, how net profit deals work, how even if the label is putting up the money in a 50-50 deal, the artist is actually paying for half of it if it does recoup, mm. right? So when viewed through that lens, it can be a bigger conversation where uh, you know the, the label can say like, hey, you know, we, we would love to pay for this are you okay with us spending this money? Maybe they're not. Maybe the artist is like, no, nah, man, like I think that's a bad use of yeah. what could be my money. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so maybe don't do that. Totally. Or, you know, if you think it's such a good idea, like it should be an overhead expense for you, but I, I don't want it to be a recoupable expense. Thanks. Thanks anyway. Yeah. Um, it can be more of a conversation than it is, but I, I think that just a lot of people don't realize exactly how it works and it's a little bit you know they they don't know what it's quote-unquote like supposed to be totally. um the short answer is just that like if it's if it's related directly related to the to the manufacturing or publicizing of a release it should probably be a recoupable expense if it's not it depends if it's you know studio time is a great example or mastering actually mastering is definitely the best example of who's responsible for this this cost (laughs) because on an indie deal if it's a license where the indie you know the label only has the rights to it for five years or 10 years or maybe 15 or 20 most um at the end of that deal the rights revert back to the artist the album still ride away in the sunset yeah. But the album is still mastered, yeah. right? Exactly. Oh, good, good point. You know, I never thought of that. Yeah, they're old. Yeah, the photos have dated. Yeah, you know the the PR campaign has long since stopped. Good point. You know, being an expense item, but the the masters live on. So who pays for that? That is always <laughs> a great question. It's honestly like I can't. It it totally depends. It goes. I would say it's literally like half the time it's a coupable expense. Half the time it's considered an advance. Um, hmm. Whereas like studio time, like the making of the record, um, you know, mixing, that stuff generally is considered an advance or the album, the artist's responsibility because that will live on after the label deal has yeah, expired. Right, right, right. Um, so that's that's how we, we advise people to think about it. But it's really up to you and, and you and your artists and it should be outlined in the deal. But even if it's not, it can be a conversation. Um, we've touched on so many things. I have a few more questions. There's a few more topics I'm really curious about. Um, and I think our audience are, is going to be okay with a longer than normal episode just because uh, this is such a important topic and a topic of interest. Can you briefly touch on publishing? Um, even if a, a label isn't handling the artist's publishing, are there responsibilities a label has when it comes to mechanicals or, or any other royalties that they need to be aware of that that your your platform helps out with? Uh, well, yeah, you you nailed it with mechanicals. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is the link between you know label and publisher from a financial standpoint, or um, you know master rights holder versus you know and, and songwriter. Um, that is the link between them. Mechanicals are, uh, in my opinion, a, a positive thing for artists. And songwriters specifically, um, there is definitely a 
precedent in the United States, at least, I think it's a little bit different abroad, but of, of indie deals having artists waive their right to mechanicals. Yes. And um, should I like explain what mechanicals are? Yeah, go ahead. Really yeah, go maybe? ahead. Right. So mechanicals are a, what's called, uh, I forget, oh man, I'm already blanking, but like it, it's, a, <laughs> it's a statutory right, or it's a right that um, if I'm making a copy of something, I owe whoever created the original version, uh, you know, some money basically. Mm -hmm. So anytime you press records or make CDs or sell a download, um, there is often a mechanical obligation, which is just, you know, usually nine cents, 9.1 cents mm -hmm. per track, uh, that the record label, you know, if you man manufacture one record with 10 songs on it and you just make a single copy that's 91 cents that you should pay the publisher or the artist if they are self-published mm. um and that's whether you sell the record or not uh and it's basically a way of making sure that you the the songwriters are compensated um regardless of whether the record label you know does a good job or not. Right. Uh, if, right. They, if they press a million records and they only sell 10 of them, like that's their problem. The, they, they owe the mechanicals to the songwriter or the publisher um, regardless. In America, there has been this precedent of indie labels saying like, we, we don't really do that. Like it's, it's, it's a burden on us. You don't, you're an indie artist and you probably don't even have a publisher. So it's just us taking money out of, uh, your pocket over here and giving it into a different pocket over there. And let's just call it a wash. Um, but um, where does it come from? Is it, is it an expense for the label? Right. So it, yes, exactly. And who pays for the expense is another yeah. you know, open question, whether it's considered a shared expense, uh, like an, any, you know, recoupable expense would be, or whether it's considered an advance mm -hmm. where it's actually out of the artist's pocket, out of the master <laughs> artist's pocket. Um, honestly, it goes either way. Like it really, I, I see, we see, you know, probably a pretty even split between those two sure. options, but it is something that the label pays out of pocket uh, in one way or the other, whether they get, you know, recouped half of it because it's a shared expense or uh, they get recouped all of it because it's an advance. Um, you know, that's, that's up to them, but mm -hmm. it really should be, it should happen. And it's mostly been about, you know, this is a really annoying accounting thing. Yes. And yeah. if it's me taking 9.1 cents out of your, you know, your master side statement and adding 9.1 cents to your publishing statement, like why, why just, can I just not do, I not do that? Can I just save us all the trouble? Yeah. Um, and which is a legit, honestly, it's a legitimate. Oh, for sure. In, oh, for in, sure. In certain cases, but, um, that may, I think you alluded to it. It may software, not be, it may not be uh, legal across the globe. I'm not hundred percent sure that you'd get away yeah, with it I in think the UK. I think you can't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a difference uh, mm -hmm. internationally. Is you're not allowed to waive that right um, in a label deal in in other countries. You know, another um, funny thing that's not relevant anymore. But in Canada, we passed a law where the manufacturers of blank CDs, like those big spindles of fifty, had to pay mm -hmm. um, 
uh, I think it was, uh, they had to basically pay a mechanical fee to um, the, the, the Canadian music industry or, or the, our um, PRO or something, uh, assuming that those to CDs... So yeah, it could have been. It may have been um, to uh, another. That's interesting, but That's yeah, really assuming clever. that those CDRs were going to be used for piracy. <laughs> right, right. Where it's like, listen, we all know where these things <laughs> are going. Yeah. So if you want to sell them, you're going to have to compensate the people who you're, you know, accidentally yeah. stealing from, <laughs> helping aid and aid and abet the theft of their intellectual property. That's really clever. So what? Um, Sorry, did you want to did you want to add anything more to that? Well, I was site? just going to say that that's similar to to you know the the running theme of this, which is that you know spreadsheets work for a while, but then it it, it can become a hassle, it can become a headache, or there can be situations that it, they're just not great for. And mechanicals is a good one. Where, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a in a software, you can make it so that you know every download triggers. Uh, a separate transaction that is a mechanical that you know gets paid to this publisher, it gets paid to that songwriter, um, and it kind of happens automatically in the background. You 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 set it up, and then you don't have to think about it anymore. Mm. Um, so that you don't have to like, you know, ask an artist to waive this right because it's an annoying headache. Yeah, you can say no. We're a real deal label. Of course, we pay mechanicals. Happy to do it. It's no problem for us. <laughs> It's a, you know, it's an advance out of your pocket anyway. So sure. It's just, you know, that's fine. But, but at least you're not like asking a favor because you aren't really, you know, uh, you're not that interested in the problem or something. Right. You know? yeah. it, it should, it should be something that you, that you do. And I get that it's a huge challenge and, and I don't begrudge anyone who, who waves it and wants to do it in spreadsheets, but um, but it can be done pretty easily in software. What kind of transparency does the platform, does your platform offer the artist? Uh, full and total. Okay. <laughs> and and <laughs> just to like, go, like double down on that. So yeah. like I think I said earlier, it's controlled where everything that gets added to the your your catalog in IC, uh, all the transactions are unpublished by default. Like we don't want you to, you know, add in, you know, a record sale for $20. Like we were talking about uh, mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. the demo, like somebody, you know, knocked on your door, asked to buy a record, you sold it for $20 cash. You put the the transaction in infinite catalog and then the artist uh, knocks on your door and says, Hey, can I get that $10 that yeah. you owe me now? Yeah. Uh, we, we don't want to put you in that spot. And, you know, maybe you don't owe them that $10 because you paid an expense earlier that morning Sure. and they just, you forgot to enter that one. Like, Everything's unpublished by default to not make you in an put you in an awkward spot. But once you publish it to the artist, which happens through the generating of the statement, when you when you generate the statement, it publishes the transactions associated with that statement, and it the artist gets access to the platform where they can log in, see the statement, click through where there's you know like a line that says you know here's a thousand dollars in income. You can click the the hyperlink and it'll jump you right to that you know the the ten thousand streams that uh, that led to that income yeah. number. Yeah. So there's that uh, level of transparency where you're actually you're making it really easy for them because they don't have to look at you know the Spotify streams in this format and the Bandcamp downloads in that format and and 
try to figure it out for themselves. Like you've given them access to a unified platform where they can see all of the transactions in the same format and they can use the, the reports tools and, and filters to like, you know, analyze and slice and dice that. And data make some in pretty infographics too, right? Just make some pretty cool graphs. Yeah. <laughs> Love a good graph, but, uh, but also export the transactions uh, to, you know, if you want to mess around with it in Excel or put it in Tableau or put it in some other platform, like you can totally do that. But even further than that, in the transactions that you can export in Infinite Catalog, there is a cell at the very end of every row, which is a compressed version of the raw data itself from which that transaction was built. Hmm. So in other words, it, it looks like a rate, you know, Bandcamp and and your direct Spotify deal. Those transactions look the same in Infinite Catalog, which is what you want. But then, if you wanted to see how Bandcamp actually delivered that data versus how Spotify delivered that data, and maybe there's some more info in that yeah. in the raw data that you know we don't use, uh, like like info about you know who bought this, yeah. which Bandcamp gives you, sure. and of course Spotify does not. Sure. Uh, but maybe you want to do something with that you have it like yeah. it's literally there very cool nobody there's there's no there's nobody who uses our platform with the intention of obfuscating what's going on yeah if you're using our platform you're there to be transparent and get this job done and and go do something else like go put out more records you know go make more music like we're not um <laughs> We're, you know, if we're doing our job, you're not really thinking us, about us very much. It's, but um, it's, you're certainly happy when the statements are on time and when you know they're accurate. It's so funny to think of what it would have been like if you had been hired in the 1970s to build this software for the the record labels back then. You would have had to have a whole section for drugs, and you would have had to have like a way for them <laughs> yeah. to go in the back yeah. end and pull out some money. Uh, I believe you're referring <laughs> to the. The champagne and flowers budget, um, <laughs> that's right. which is what, is, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. what I understand they used to <laughs> put all the drugs on there, uh, which you could still do. You know, that's true. Everything is an income and expense, not, according to you. Yeah, um, that's right. It can just be an expense. Talk to me about the importance of giving, and this is what you're touching on, about giving yourself uh, or the artist a view of your financials from thirty thousand feet, from the impact of seeing it all laid out clearly and neatly. I think. I mean, we talked about this the other day, and, and this is, has been my my takeaway from when I was looking at the software. But I think humans are so prone to overestimate our accomplishments on days when we're feeling good, and and we underestimate our situations on on bad days. And I feel like something like this, something like uh, seeing all of the data put together properly takes out that human emotions, those human elements, and just shows us how we're doing. Yeah, um, I, I think it has a huge effect on how people feel about what they're doing when they're running a record label. It, the the ability to see the thirty thousand foot view. Um, and I know because we, you know, we, we show it to people for the first time. And I swear to God, sometimes it's like, you know, those videos where, and I don't want to overstate what yeah. we do here. This is going to sound very grandiose. But, but sometimes there is this moment of like, 
it's like when the you know the the the, the deaf the child gets like glasses for the first yeah time. yeah and, or those guys you know, who heard they can uh, really they can actually in see the air tonight and they and and their face lights up and they're yeah. like oh my god it's, <laughs> there it is wow this is great thanks glasses yeah. uh, and and that is kind of what we provide because there's just isn't this view you don't get it you're not getting it in Spotify for artists you're not even getting it in your distributor backend. That you know is your only distributor. You only yeah. use TuneCore. No, you only true. use secretly. You still aren't seeing your expenses. You're not seeing your advances. You're not seeing your splits. Like even when there's your splits in DistroKid and TuneCore, I know you can like split up stuff now, but it's pretty useless unless you pay out on the gross and it's just digital only and you just use TuneCore. Like yeah. the second you have a Bandcamp account yeah. or an expense, totally, you're you're missing part of the picture. So. It's been really fun to show people that, and you definitely get a lot of value uh, emotionally, like you're saying, like seeing the, the the ups and downs and seeing the effect, like, oh, cool, I spent money in January, and sure enough, in April, like, I made more money than I ever have because I spent that, you know, you invested it in an artist or in a campaign or whatever, and like, there it is, I can see it working uh, in a way that goes way beyond just like, you know, trying to figure out trending data analytics. Like, did my tweet lead to streams? It's like, <laughs> maybe, but let's like actually look at dollars. That's what yeah. we're here to, to help you see. Yeah. Um, but even more than that, I think the most positive thing about uh, a system like ours versus spreadsheets or you know just looking at it in spotify for artists or, or like a distributor backend or something is if you're keeping up with your data if you're regularly adding your income and your expenses you always know how much you owe everybody mm -hmm. and that is a huge game changer because when i was doing it in spreadsheets uh for you know many great record labels you you hand them their digital stack of statements and you know i would give them like a summary too because of course who wouldn't want to see you know all <laughs> the totals in one column and then the total at the bottom like this is how much money you owe everybody and sometimes it was quite a shock yeah sometimes that's true. it's very like oh my god that's twice as much as i thought i forgot that we you know I've got that there. big sink yeah. And I forgot that that other re record recouped and uh-oh, I'm in trouble <laughs> because I just signed a new band and, you know, pressed a new record and yeah. I don't have that cash and oh boy, that's tricky. Yeah. Uh, that is lurking in the back of, of the minds of every single record label owner that I've ever met and myself included. It's so uh, true. Right yeah. up until the day that I started using Infinite Catalog. And now if you're adding your, your data regularly, you can see it in basically real time, as real as you want it to be. Uh, so it's not even about the 30,000 foot view so much as about the, uh, the up-to-date view. Yeah. The, the, I'm not, I'm not like when you're doing the spreadsheets, you only know how much you owe everybody two times a year. You know, if you're doing it every six months or four times a yeah. year, if you're doing it yeah. every quarter, Four days a year, you know what's going on with your business. Like that, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. That's you should always point. know what's going yeah. on. Yeah, that's a great And point. you just need a tool to do it. And for whatever reason, nobody else wanted to build this tool. I'm not saying that. Everybody else, <laughs> other people yeah. are building this and they're doing great jobs. There's other cool stuff out there too. It's not just us. Let, but, uh, let but me present a growing area for sure. Let me present you with a unique problem. 
um, that I want to see if your um, platform would be able to handle it. So um, I I subscribe to uh, NHL Game Center, which is two hundred dollars a year, and I get mm-hmm. to see all of the hockey games um, at, in a year. So it's like you know whatever. Yeah, and MLB TV for me. Part of me. MLB TV. Oh yeah, for yeah, me. yeah. Same, oh, exactly. Same thing, there you go. Exactly. Baseball. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, 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 it cost me $200. Now, however, I share this, the password to NHL Game Center with one of the artists on my label. And so I charge him $100, but <laughs> we take it out of his royalties <laughs> so he doesn't have to pay me cash. Would there be a way no, I could well, incorporate okay. that? That's, but yeah, of course. It's... it's. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's just an expense. It, it's literally... Uh, either you would put it in as a hundred dollar, uh, transfer, a negative transfer or otherwise known as an advance where you're like, yeah, man, you know, essentially you owe me a hundred dollars, but instead of, you know, me paying it to you and then you paying it back to me, uh, I'm just going to subtract it from this total. Or you could make it an expense, a shared expense at the regular cost of 200 because it is being split between you and your artist evenly. And it would have the same effect on the bottom line. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's no reason why you can't do it that way. And again, that's why like, that's why it's all about just understanding that this is just net profit share. It, it's like we're talking about the music industry, and the music industry is where this is most needed and and being used and and needs to be understood better. But like, it's just it's just sharing. Yeah. It's just <laughs> splitting. It's just you know split wise. Like, oh man, like I mean, do you know the app Splitwise? No. No, no. Oh, it's oh, it's a great it's a great app for uh, splitting up ongoing expenses. Oh, people. like like sharing like um, a, a restaurant bill with your friends, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, but it's better. That's you know you can do that on on like Venmo or something. But it's okay. it's better for like ongoing expenses. So like you know uh, like a roommate, like I yeah. bought the groceries this time and it was fifty <laughs> bucks, and you brought the groceries next time and it was forty bucks, and just keeping that running tally going. Yeah. Um, what we're doing isn't that different. It's really not. It's <laughs> well, just, it's funny we you say the, that because I, when as I think about this software, I think about like the time when I lived with roommates, and I would borrow milk for a bowl of cereal, and we would some somehow try to balance that out with a long distance call that he made, and because I paid the phone bill and he does some. <laughs> it was like right. it was brutal, but this is how we did it. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you, and um, yeah, I, I am also kind of obsessed with these these questions and, and problems, and that's why, you know, that's why I do what I do, I guess. Listen, thanks for doing this. This has been a blast, I, and, and it's been a long one, but I, I, there are just so many really important questions to ask on this topic, and I think going back to something we said at the very beginning that I hadn't thought of until you mentioned it, and just the idea that there's a lot of labels, especially new labels, but even people like me who've been around for 11 years who are afraid to ask some of these questions. I'm afraid to ask some of these questions because it's something I should have known the answer to uh, uh, 10 and a half years ago, you know? So um, I think that's why an episode like this and and the video we do uh, next uh, is going to be really helpful and is important because a lot of this has just been hidden or people are too afraid to bring it up.
Yeah. And, and I, I hear that that's so hard. Like there's still stuff that I learn every day that I'm like, wow, I can't believe I didn't know that before. Or <laughs> I hadn't seen this problem before. It happens to me all the time. And we're very big. That's why we're so big on like no judgments, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever, whatever you've done in the past, like we'll help you figure it out or we'll help you, you know, move forward in a positive way. Like nobody comes to us trying to yeah like do something shady it really just doesn't happen if they're doing something shady they're staying as far away from us as they can so we're very um if if someone's asking us like we we are very no judgment and very like you're doing a good thing just by talking to us even if you don't sign up even if you don't you know become a customer happy to talk to anybody about this and uh you know we want there to be more of a conversation around it. I mean, we were talking earlier about the lack of, you know, resources on the internet and stuff. And like, just to share a quick little story, but like, I remember a few years ago, I was, I, I Googled, like, how do you do royalty counting? Like what, not because I didn't know, but like how, what do other people yeah. find when they Google this? And one of the top articles was, uh, I forget what, what band it was, but it was a band just like breaking down their, bullshit major label royalty accounting oh. deal and really going deep on it. And I scrolled down to the comments and this was like the third hit on Google <laughs> at the time. And I scrolled down to the comments and I was like, this all sounds familiar. And then I looked and there was a comment from me from like <laughs> six years earlier being like, net profit share is so much better than this. This is why, why doesn't, why do majors even do this? And it was like me six years earlier (laughs) and this was like the third hit on google because no one talks about it and we need to have more of a conversation there needs to be more chatter about it like Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. either in public or you know talking to professionals who who are interested in the problem and you know we want more people to start record labels and put out records and and work with bands and help bands like it's a good it's a noble way to to spend your day in my personal opinion yeah and you just need the tools to to do it and we're just happy to help people that's all thanks for doing this man it's been great to talk to you thank you all for listening go to otherrecordlabels.com slash royalties like i said at the beginning infinite catalog has agreed to give our listeners 20 percent off your first three months this is a really cool software we're going to send out an email in a couple of days um, with a video walkthrough so you can see how it works i know it's a podcast so it's hard to get a visual but hunter took me through everything is really really cool i mean it to me it just really solves a problem it's kind of in my mind i've been doing spreadsheets for so long Um, and I've been doing them so poorly. You can just ask my artists who hate me. And I think this really cracks a code, in my mind at least, um, and it just really simplifies things. I love the platform. It looks so much like, you know, the online platforms that we're used to, um, like, I don't know, you know, MailChimp or Squarespace or Dropbox or something like that. And so go to otherrecordlabels.com slash royalties to check out more. Thanks for listening.